0: talking today about the lifestyle of the blessed and highly favored. And I, I, some of y'all caught a host of that last Sunday about saying I'm blessed. Uh, Wednesday night when Reagan came in and said, how are you today? And she said, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. And I've, several of you this week in meeting up with you, Kathleen said, I'm blessed. And folks, that's something we need to learn to say about ourselves. Instead of telling people how bad everything is, we need to get a vocabulary of telling people how good it is. Because there's something good if we'll just let it be. And, and no, I, I had a fellow say, I asked a guy out there, he, I said, how are you today? He said, oh, I'm doing pretty good, I'm above ground. And sometimes that's good, but if that's all I am is just above ground, then folks, I've still got a pretty miserable life going on, wouldn't you think? I don't want to be just above ground. And sometimes I answer people back and say that to me. Well, I don't know if that's a blessing or not. I think the real blessing would be below, be below ground because then I'd be in heaven. You can't outdo that, right? But I want you to, last week we talked about Mary and how that the angel said unto her that she was blessed and highly favored. Now, as far as those words, that's the only time we find that particular thing in the Bible. But there's other times that, Words were said to people that to us today translate over to being blessed and highly favored. So I want you to look this morning in the book of Daniel, chapter 10. And we're going to talk about Daniel today. Daniel was a man that was blessed and highly favored. And we're going to see what made him that way. So I want all y'all to stand and read this with me. We're going to read these three verses, 10, 11, and 12. Read with me. And behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel. Now, For from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, this morning again for your word. Help us today, Lord, to look into your word, to see the things that we need to know and understand. Father, I pray that it gets into our heart today that because of what you've done and you've given us the opportunity to come over into the area of being the people that are blessed and highly favored. So Father, I thank you that revelation knowledge come to your people today. I pray that the eyes of our understanding would be open. Father, that we might be able to see and comprehend the grace of God, the goodness of God, and the power of God at work in our lives and in the lives of your people today. Help us, Lord, to see. And I pray, Father, that, that you give me to speak new revelation to your people. And I pray, Lord, that you bring back up, In me, O revelation, Father, that can come forth in a new way to minister to your people today, Father. We thank you, Lord. We give you the glory and the honor and praise. In Jesus' name I pray. And together we said, Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Now, when he said that, Daniel, you're a man greatly beloved. That translates to us today as him saying to Daniel, Daniel, you're blessed and highly favored. And in this particular situation, we'll talk more about this later as we go along, but Daniel had been praying and he'd been praying for 21 days for God to do something, for him to be able to understand what was going on. And not only that, but he'd been praying for the nation. 21 days, he was on a fast and, and a lot of people do what they call the Daniel fast. And, But he 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 was withdrawing from society so that he could be in touch with God. And God sent Gabriel the angel and spoke to Daniel and told him, he said these words to him, Daniel, you are a man greatly beloved. You're blessed and highly favored. So this is what we want to talk about today. You know, as I look at the life of Daniel, and I've read the book of Daniel several times this week, and see, and folks, I tell you, we could preach out the book of Daniel for a while. I mean, for a while, especially those first uh, six chapters, we could talk about a while. And I'm, I'm not going to do that, and I'm not going to try to preach you the whole book of Daniel today, okay? Is that okay with everybody? But I do want to give you some things that the Lord, I believe, picked out to me and showed me as to why Daniel was such a beloved man and what was going on in his life. Let me tell you something. Daniel was a success. He was a success as a young man. Daniel had an ambition. He had something that he desired to do in his life. He he had a goal. He had some goals set. And not only that, but he had some friends that had the same kind of goals and direction set in their life. Young people, this ought to be a lesson to you today. And maybe I'll talk to you today more than I do anybody else because... You teenagers that's in this room right now, you are to a point in your life where you need to have some direction as to the things you want to do, the, the direction that you want to go, the things that you want to accomplish in your life. And you need to be having friends around you that has direction in their life also. Now, I know that there's a lot of young people that just don't. I mean, to the point, don't care. I don't care. You know, I don't know. I don't know. You need to get some knowing in your life. And, and not only young people, but there's a lot of adult folks that's that way. They just, you know, they've been confused since they reached puberty and they're adults today and still confused. We need direction. We need some understanding. We need some, some way to go. And, and, and teenagers, I want to ask you all a question. If I were to come to you this morning and say to each one of you, what do you want to do in your life? At this point in time, what's your goal? What do you want to accomplish? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I may later. So get prepared. all right? I'm giving you the answer to the test now. All right. But what? What would? You, what's your ambition? What's your goal? How? What do you want to achieve in life? Think about that. What? What do you want to? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to see take place? What part? Uh, do you want to add to the kingdom of God? And, and as a Christian young person, that ought to be your goal. What can I add to the kingdom of God? And people's got people in the kingdom of God in every strata of society. Right? You take you take like Jamie and, and Ginger. They're nurses, but they're not just nurses. They're Christian nurses in a society. You see what I'm saying? And and and. Bradley is an engineer, and he's not just an engineer. He's a Christian engineer in society. Pat's ahead, head White Houseman. And he's not just, he's a Christian. The, J.J. is a construction worker. He's a sheet metal man. Works on... Air conditioning stuff like that. Sheet metal on big construction jobs. But he's not just a construction worker. He's a Christian construction worker. And and all of these, you know, we could go on and on. Mark's a, a electrician and an instrumentation man, but he's he's a Christian in these things. So here's what we gotta say. I I gotta do this. Gary is head of the NASA program. He's a Christian there. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> but he's not just head of the NASA program, he's a Christian there. You see what I'm saying, folks? Here's, here's, young people, this is what you've got to decide. That regardless of where I go, I'm going to go there as a Christian. I'm going to go there as a child of God. Why? Because promotion comes not from the east or the west. It comes from the Lord. And if God cannot promote you in society, you don't need the promotion. But God's not going to promote you if you're lazy. <clears throat> I said God's not going to promote you if you're lazy. There ought to be some young people saying amen to some of this stuff. So what do you want to do, young people? I want to show you some things today in the life of Daniel that caused him to be blessed and highly favored. And if you'll begin to put these things to work in your life as young people and as adults, then you'll begin to see the favor of God rest upon you and you'll walk in that favor everywhere you go. I'm going to make a statement. I hope I'm not misunderstood. You don't walk in the favor of God just because you've been born again. That gets you in the favor of God. But you're going to have to come across and do some things on your own and be some ways in your life if you expect to enjoy the favor of God. That's like the grace of God. You know, I enjoy the grace of God today. Why? Because I want to please, please God and God has given me His grace so I can please Him. But if I didn't want to please God, I wouldn't be enjoying the blessings of grace, the effect of grace in my life. I want that. I want, I want the blessing. I hear people say, I want everything God has for me. I won't live my life my way. Those two things don't go together. Young people understand you're not going to get ahead in society. Well, maybe in society you can, but you're not going to get ahead in this world, in the kingdom of God, by doing it your way. Can I tell you how I know that? And I got a lot of Bible to back me up. I got people like Pat to back me up, too. He tried it his way, didn't he? Brother David tried it his way. Dennis tried it his way. That, those, those ways don't work, do they, Jody? I mean, we're getting a mess, don't we? But we can do it God's way and begin to see blessings come about in our life. Now, I'm not picking on anybody by calling names. I'm just, And nobody's asleep. I'm not trying to wake anybody up. I just want us to understand that this is for all of us. All of us. Now, one thing that made Daniel a man that was blessed and highly favored, beloved of God, and I want all of you to listen to me, but you young people especially, Daniel was a man of commitment and conviction. I mean, he was committed to God. He was committed to the ways of God. He was committed to the Word of God, to the plan of God. He wanted, he wanted to walk before God and please God in everything that he did. And he had some convictions about that thing because folks, as you read through the book of Daniel, that Daniel got promoted in one time to the third high seat in the whole kingdom empire of Babylon, which at that time was at its zenith and was actually controlling the whole populated earth as far as they knew at that time. And he was third in command in that nation. But he didn't drop his convictions one bit in the this- he had a conviction of holiness. He had a conviction of righteousness. He had convictions in his life that would not allow him to do things. Now, folks, let me tell you something. A conviction is not something for me to preach about. A conviction is not something for you to tell somebody else about. A conviction is something for you to live by. See, so I've got some convictions, of, some convictions about a lot of different things. When, when we, many years ago, when we were in North Carolina, God dealt with me and Loretta and we we had a conviction come upon us that our children need to be in Christian school. But folks, I've been pastoring in this church, this church here, for 29 years, going on 30. We'll be first Sunday in September. Uh, actually, our celebration will be the last Sunday in August. 30-year celebration. Wow. I've never one time preached that you better put your children in Christian school. I told you that it would be good to. Christian education is the height. That's the best kind of education there is. And we, but we had a conviction about that. But we never forced that conviction on anybody. It's just it's a conviction that we had, and that's what we did. We 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 struggled for that. We we moved to that. We put things aside for that. And and, and because that was what that's what our conviction was, folks. We've got to learn to live our conviction. If our conviction is to live a holy and righteous life before Almighty God, then there's a lot of things in this world that we don't need to be messing with. See, they got, took Daniel, and he wasn't the only one. They, they took his three friends, which later that we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And their Hebrew names are harder to pronounce than their Babylonian names were, so we'll just call them by their Babylonian names, okay? And they even changed Daniel's name to Belteshazzar. But I like Daniel better, don't you? And, uh, I mean, it would be tough to go, turn to the book of Belteshazzar now. (laughs) That would be long to write anyway. But they brought all of these young men to to Babylon. And these four men were specifically chosen out to eat at the king's table, to eat the same thing the king did, and drink the king's wine. But Daniel remembered back to what the Word of God said in the book of Leviticus, again in Deuteronomy. It listed listed foods that that those Hebrew boys didn't need to eat. And one thing I found out, that one of the main items on the menu of the king in that day, and it was a a popular food in that day, was pork. God had set down. Boys, they could not eat pork. I mean, it was against... It was against what God had set down. And the wine that they used was fermented so long till it was what they would call the best wine, but it was a high alcohol content wine that they had there in the Bible. Daniel said, I'm sorry. I'm not going to eat that food, and I'm not going to drink that wine. But he didn't do it in a rebellious way. He didn't stand out on the corner of uh, there and, and, and Babylon with a sign that was down in the king and putting him down. He wasn't in a protest. He just went to the king's servant and said, Look, he said, I cannot in all good conscience eat this. And well, look, you got to, because this is what the king said. He said, but Look, if you'll just bring us a vegetable stew and let us eat that and drink water for ten days, just ten days. And, and the servant said, well, well, wait a minute now. If I don't do what the king said, the king will have my head. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Daniel was willing to stake his life on his convictions. Because he said to that servant, or to that servant of the king, he said, Just let us do this for 10 days, and if 10 days there's not a difference, you can have our head. He said, It'll be at us. You can have our head. If there's not a difference, if we don't look better in 10 days than they do, then you can have our head. See, he was willing to. To lay his conviction on the line, let me tell you, young men and women, there is no satisfaction, and there's no words enticing sweet, sweet words that are worth stealing your innocency well but but what will people say? Why? Why do we get so concerned about what people say? You know, uh, you know why adults are so concerned about what people say? Because they developed that whenever they were kids, and mamas and daddies let them in on that a whole lot. Helped them out. Well, you know, I, I want my daughter dressed like everybody else because don't they talk about her? Talk about her. They'll talk about him, and they you know, I gotta, you know, if, I, if my boy don't have a car by the time he's sixteen, then everybody's gonna look down on him. That's one thing I liked about Christian education. There wasn't no comparisons going on like that. And then the last three years, we homeschooled them because we felt like that the system where they were at was not doing what we desired in their life. And uh, anyway, let me go on. He was willing to lay his life on it. He said, if there's not a difference, take our head." Now, folks, that's holding on to a conviction, isn't it? That's holding on to a commitment. That's holding on to a desire. To walk before Almighty God and be ye holy, be ye perfect. He said in this word because I'm perfect. I want you to be everything you can as a Christian because I'm everything that I am as God. But it means that being perfect as He's perfect don't mean that we live sinlessly flawlessly, sinlessly, but it means that we live the Christian life to the best of our ability. See, a lot of folks get this mixed up where he said, be perfect, be holy. That means to be set apart. And actually what he's saying in that, I want you to be everything that I've called you to be just like I'm everything that I am for you. Let me show you the difference in that. I, I, I may have done this before, but just act like I didn't, okay? You take a hairbrush. Perfect for brushing hair, isn't it? It's just perfect. So here's a perfect hairbrush. If if I had one, I'd hold it up. Any of you guys got a hairbrush? I mean, any of you ladies got a hairbrush? Nobody got a hairbrush? Yeah. Ron, can I borrow your hairbrush? <laughs> <laughs> See? Hairbrush. Perfect for brushing hair. I use one when I want to fluff my hair up. Y'all look at it. I'm fixing to be bald headed for long. I'm fixing to get my hair cut like Ron's is. <clears throat> Please. <laughs> but it's perfect. It's perfect as a hairbrush. But now I've got a hairbrush on, on the back of the, you know, on the chef here. But this morning when I got through doing my hair, I was gonna shave. I didn't use the hairbrush for shaving. Why? It's not perfect for shaving. Can you imagine what that would do? I mean, it wouldn't get nothing off. Just make streaks through you. Uh, I don't guess anybody got a razor, have But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I got my razor out, and my razor was just perfect for shaving my face with. Perfect. But I can't, I can't comb my hair with a razor. But a razor, I'd get a head start on that, wouldn't it? A razor is perfect as a razor just like a hairbrush is perfect as a hairbrush. God is perfect as God. Amen? And He wants me not to be perfect as Him, but as perfect as He's called me to be as a child of God. You see the difference in that? That ought to help us understand some things. But And I can make a commitment to being everything I can for the kingdom of God but I can't make a commitment that I'm going to be God. I can't be there. Now, He can work through me, and I I let Him live His life through me, and I'm His representative here in this earth. He He was a man. Listen, he was willing to lay his life down for his conviction. Daniel had a conviction. He was supposed to pray. I'll talk more about this in a minute, but I want to show you this. He had a conviction that he was supposed to pray. And not only supposed to, but he did. Daniel was a man of prayer. I'll go on to that now. He was a man of prayer. At least seven different references in the book of Daniel. He was praying specifically. And, and, And because he prayed specifically, then I believe that he was praying in between time. You see, that's like Jesus. There's not that many recorded prayers of Jesus in the New Testament. Oh, but he spent lots of time in prayer. Lots of time. And let me say this to you, folks. If the one that never needed to pray stayed up all night long, rose up a great while before day, before breakfast, and went off to pray. How much more do you and I need to pray? We need to be people of prayer. That's the reason, one reason that we're going to do this on Sunday night, so that we can make an effort and a start to becoming that people of prayer like God wants us to be. Lord, teach us to pray, the disciples cried out. Teach us to pray. So we'll know how to reason to preach. I know how to pray. Well, I want to pray and get results, don't you? I'm tired of praying and not getting results. Come on. I want to get results when I pray. I want to pray and know that my prayer is going to be answered. But Daniel was a man of prayer. See, he prayed when there was a problem. And I'm skipping over one, okay? You noticed that, didn't you? I want to go to to Daniel chapter 2. In in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and he didn't know what it was. I've had some of those dreams, haven't you? I woke up and said, boy, I had a dream. What did I dream about? Daniel! (laughs) And they were going to, because nobody could tell the king the answer to that prayer, they were going to kill everybody, all the wise men, including Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were all going to get killed. Because they could nobody tell the king. Boy, you talk about a big (laughs) crybaby. Nebuchadnezzar was. So anyhow, when Daniel heard this, he went to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and said, God, we've got to pray. Because we thought The king is going to kill us. And here's what they prayed. That they would desire the mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed, not only did Daniel pray, a night vision, then Daniel, listen, Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Now, not only did Daniel pray, he knew how to do it, and he knew that worship is involved in prayer. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removeth kings. He saith up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God, of my fathers who hast given me wisdom and mind and hast made known unto me now what we desire of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. That was his prayer. They were about to be put to death. Times get tough for everybody. Young people, let me tell you, times get tough. You're at an age now to where boyfriend and girlfriend situations are a tough time. A test at school is a tough time. A ball game's a tough time. And I'm not making light of those, but I'm telling you this, that at this point in your life, you need to learn to pray about those tough times that you come in contact with so that when you get my age, that when tough times come, there's no thinking about what to do. Well, I'm going to pray about this thing. I'm going to pray. That's something you need to begin to do, boys and girls, is learn to pray and call upon the God of heaven. God will hear your prayer just as much as He will mine. God will answer you just as quick, if not quicker, than He will us old folks. You know why? You ain't got all the junk going on in your life yet that old folks have sometimes. And He'll answer you. If you you want to be a success in this life, in whatever area you go into, learn to be a person of conviction and commitment. And learn at your early age to be a person of prayer. Pray. Pray. Learn to pray. Talk to the Father. And you can talk to the Father just like you talk to your best friend because Jesus is your best friend. We sang about that this morning, didn't we? He's our best friend. See, He 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 prayed as an intercessor. Now, we've got to move in these areas of prayer and get above just praying, all I'm going to pray about is my needs and learn how to pray for other people's needs. You know, if I were to ask the... A sweeping question here without a show of hands. I just want to ask this. Just think about it. No, no response. But we pray for Brother Wayne every Sunday. And I believe we're going to see the healing power of God rest upon this man to where he's completely healed. But how many of us pray for him through the week when we're not at church? All right? I'm just saying. That's called intercessory prayer. When I get past my needs and willing to pray for somebody else's needs, And that's something that we need to learn. See, Daniel was an intercessor in Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keep the covenant keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love Him and to them that keep His commandments. He was praying for that nation. He'd got beyond His self, and He was praying not for the nation of Babylon, but for the nation of Israel that had grown captive. Folks, we need to, there's a civic duty to prayer that we need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for our state, our county, our city. We need to pray for the officials all over, wherever they may be. We need to pray for our nation. And then we need to pray for our fellow men in church. We need to look to them. We need need to hold them up before Almighty God. We need to know that we can spend time praying, interceding. We need, you know, we need to learn how to pray for revival. We need to learn how to to pray for our, our husbands, our wives. We need to learn how to pray for our children, our brothers and sisters, our parents. We need to learn how to pray for these. And you may think as a young person, well, there's no need to be praying for them. They're going to have their way anyhow. Yeah, there's a need for you praying for them because it may change you as much as it does them. You know, young people, have you ever thought about one reason that you may have trouble is because there's a rebellious attitude about you sometimes? Y'all have never thought about that, have you? Huh? It's always mom and Daddy's is the one that's not right. Come on now, you young people, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. A little bit of that little bit of me gets involved in that. Do you know intercessory prayer will help take that out of you? He prayed when it was forbidden. I'm skipping over again now, brother. I'm going to Daniel chapter six, verse ten. He prayed when it was forbidden. They made a decree one time. This is where I was going to a while ago when I talked about Daniel was willing to lay his life down for his conviction. The king, Darius, made a decree one time through some wrong counselors that there was to be nobody make a petition of anyone else, any other God other than him for 30 days. In other words, he wasn't supposed to pray to God. Now, they did this, because Daniel had been elevated up to the third in the kingdom, and they wanted to catch him in something to get him demoted or at least killed. So they came to the king and said, King, here's a decree you need to make. If you'll make this decree that nobody calls on any any other God or any other person for thirty days except calling on you, and if they do put them in the lines, then the king said, That sounds like a good deal. See, the king had a he had this uh, attitude about he was sold on himself. Also, sound like good. Everybody ought to talk to me. So he made a he made this decree. And in and in chapter ten or chapter six verse ten. And when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees and three times a day prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a fourth time. This is not something Daniel did just because this decree came about. This is something that Daniel did every day. He didn't pray just when things was tough. He prayed all the time. At least three times a day. How much do we pray? I mean, I'm putting me on the spot. Boy, i tell you what, I've had to do some... I actually didn't want to preach this message because of this part about prayer. You show me somebody that prays enough. Oh, that person prays too much. There's no such thing as too much, okay? No such thing. As that too much is in somebody else's mind. Praying this way is what has brought about moves of God on this earth and moves of God in this nation and moves of God in churches all across this land is this kind of praying. People that don't fear prayer and fear of what someone may say or anything else, even to the point of government, even to the point if it means my life, I'm going to pray. See, he remembered uh, a scripture like Psalms, chapter 55, verse 16 and 17. He, he remembered this. As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. See, that's all it took for Daniel right there. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my cry. Well, and here's the thing about it. He didn't go in secret to do this either. He prayed with the windows open so that there wouldn't be no mistake about what he was doing and that everybody could hear. Well, sure enough, they heard him. They brought him to the king. They said, King, this is your direction. This is your command. This is what you said, and this is what you've got to do. And they took Daniel and put him in the lines then, and the king said to Daniel, Oh, Daniel, oh, Daniel. I'm so sorry this is happening to you, but listen. He loved Daniel. He said, "But, but the God that you serve continually." There's another key to this thing. The God you serve continually. He said, "He'll save you." Daniel never opened never opened his mouth. There's no record of him uttering a word. He just went right on down in the lion's den. God sent an angel set the mouth of those lions, and I can just picture Daniel laying up there on the middle of him just to sound asleep. Just... Why? He had already prayed about the situation. Here's another problem that we have. We wait till we get in trouble to pray. We need to pray before trouble comes. And then we can rest on it. And God will send an angel. And that thing will begin to work out. The next morning the king came and said, Daniel, is your God whom you serve able to save you? And Daniel said, I'm here, king, because my God saved me. They made a decree that they was to worship no other god except the God of Daniel course that didn't last long either and they were right back to their heathenistic ways but it made an impact here's what i thought about this daniel's commitment and his conviction and his determination to stand for god made an impact on a whole society think about that think about what we can do if we just begin to do that kind of thing three times a day he prayed and here's nothing he prayed until the answer came Here's a key that we, we miss so many times. See, we've got to understand, folks, that prayer is communion with God. It's not just throwing up some words and hope maybe God will grab a handful of them and do something. Prayer is communion and fellowship with Almighty God. When we talk to Him, we're talking to the Creator of the whole universe. When we talk to God through the name of Jesus, we're talking to the One that loved us so much that He sent His Son to die for our sins on the cross. When we talk to God in the name of Jesus, folks, God listens, heaven stops, and they listen to the prayers of the saints of God. See, people all through the Bible that were blessed were people of prayer. People of prayer. People of prayer always get blessed. Abraham, we've been studying about him on Wednesday night. In chapter 12 and 13, he'd go to a place, build an altar, and call on God. Go to another place, build an altar, and call on God. Go to another place, build an altar, and call on God. And then he went back to the place he was to begin with at that altar, got it fixed up, and called on God. And then he went on to another place. And and whenever Lot left and God told him, he said, you got all of this land, he built an altar and called on God. Let me tell you something, men. We need to learn how to build altars. Now, I'm not talking about a recta uh, a, a monument out here or someplace, but but I'm talking about we need to know how to have an altar. We need to know how to call on God. We need to know that calling on God will do some good. We need to know that calling on God it will get us through the tough situations. First Thessalonians chapter five verse seventeen says that that to pray without ceasing. Luke eighteen one says men ought always to pray and not give up. Daniel didn't give up. He prayed till he got the answer. How many times do we do that? seems like we pray for a little bit. If it don't work, well, you know, well, I guess that's just not God's will. We need to learn to pray till the answer comes. I've heard folks say, well, maybe the answer is no. Well, if it's going to be no, you don't need to spend your time praying for it. Pray for something, the answer is yes. You say, how will I know that? Well, you do it according to 1 John chapter 5 that says that this is the confidence, the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, we know that He heareth us, and if He hears us, then we have the petition we ask to Him. Isn't that the way it says it, Bob? That, listen, this is what we, ha- we have, according to His will. Well, how am I going to know His will? Well, that brings us to another thing. Daniel was committed to that word, and we need to have some commitment to the word of God, so we look in it, and we know what God's will is. And if it's not spelled out in there, we need to pray and ask God what His will is. Right? Instead of coming and saying, Oh, God, if it be Your will, heal Brother Wayne. Maybe that's the reason he ain't been healed yet. It ain't God's will. Listen. Uh, things like that, I'd almost be like Brother Kenneth Hagin was. Because he'd say, I'd just soon hear a donkey bray at midnight in a tin barn it's to listen to that kind of stuff. <laughs> I hear him brave here out in the pasture, and it's it's a I can just imagine what that thing would sound like in a tin barn just reverberating. God. He's willing to do whatever it took. Whatever it took to pray. In, in chapter ten of Daniel, verses eleven and twelve, it tells us he prayed until the answer came. This is what we started with. And he said unto me, O Daniel, o a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken these words unto me, I stood trembling. Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Daniel fasted, as I said earlier, for 21 days. Answer came. And it says that, back up in that chapter, it says that that he, for three full weeks, weeks of days, is seven days in a week, that makes 21 days, don't it? Faster for 21 days. You say, can people do that? Yeah. They can. I did that one time. And I'm not saying that to... But y'all know how that I have this fixation on food, you know? You know what I'm talking about? But I went 21 days, the reader can tell you. I went 21 days and didn't eat. Just drank what I needed to and some juices and things. like didn't eat. And I spent time praying. And as I look back, it's one of the most spiritually fruitful times in my life. You say, well, why don't you do that again? Well, I guess same reason you're not fasting, okay? Can we be honest? There's degrees of fasting. Different things that people can do. Maybe you can quit watching television for twenty one days. Nobody accepts that, huh? Maybe quit listening to radio for twenty one days. <laughs> Bored life, ain't that Sister Deborah? Well, you know, we we do? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what about? What about quitting sweets for 21 days? See, there's a lot of things that we can do. But here, I'm not talking about quitting something just for the purpose of quitting something for a period of time. I'm talking about doing something and spend time before God. See, Daniel didn't just sit there and beat himself and, and, and chasten himself and do without bread or whatever it was. That they, that they do without on a Daniel fast. He, I, I think some of that stuff's glorified and run on out anyway. I'm, that's my opinion. I'm sorry. You know, if you do it, do it, and go ahead and do it. And, but here's the thing about it. don't just fast for the purpose of fasting. Anything. To any degree. What was he doing? He was praying and interceding for understanding, for knowledge to know what the end time of the nation Israel was going to be and what the end time of Babylon was and the end time of this whole world. God had given him a vision, and he didn't know how to complete it. See, there's times in our life we don't know direction. Maybe some fasting and prayer will help us understand directions. It'll get us moving in the right direction. He was recognized as a man that had the Spirit of God in him. <laughs> this is toughy, too. When he went to Walmart they recognized him as a man that had the Spirit of God in him. When he went out to eat, they recognized him as a man that had the Spirit of God in him. He didn't fast all the time sometimes, you know. There's times I'm sure he may have showed up at Crocker Barrel or whatever was going on in that day. Eat it, whatever. But when he went to the ball game, they recognized him as a man that had the Spirit of God in him. When he went fishing or hunting, they recognized him as a man that had the Spirit of God in him. When he participated in sports, they recognized him as a man that had the spirit of God in him. Now they didn't understand all of this, and they called it the spirit of the gods. Well, it is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, isn't He? But in in chapter four, verse eight, another dream had come to Nebuchadnezzar, and he saw a vision. And they sent for Daniel, and this one said, "But at the last, Daniel came in before me, and this Belshazzar talking, or or, or Nebuchadnezzar talking." Whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. Now, this is all they knew, and before him I told my dream. This is what they, but they recognized a spirit in Daniel that was not in any of these others. They were able to see this. Are people able to see a Holy Ghost-filled life in our lives? Young people, don't be afraid of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to be afraid. The Holy Ghost is not weird. And He'll not make you weird. You need to realize that. He, he's, not, he's not somebody that's going to float around. No, no, no. The Holy Ghost is here to help us, to strengthen us, to lead us, to guide us, to give us wisdom and knowledge. And, and listen, adults, we don't need to be afraid of the Holy Ghost. But it seems like we are. It seemed seems like churches today are afraid of the Holy Spirit. We don't want the Holy Spirit moving our church because it might offend somebody. The Holy Spirit will not offend anyone. And He's not the author of confusion either. In Daniel chapter 5, have I got this one down? Okay, well then forget it. Then We won't go there. We'll move on. But in chapter 5, it talks about how that he had the spirit of the holy gods in him. And they understood that Daniel had a spirit, and this spirit was from a higher being, and it had to be the spirit of Almighty God. Matter of fact, the word there for holy gods is the word Elohim, if I'm not mistaken, which means the plural gods, or not just gods, but God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then one other thing that we all need to get a hold of, and especially you young people. Daniel was a man that was known to have a spirit of excellence in him. You say, well, isn't that the same as the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit helped Daniel have a spirit of excellence in him. Spirit of excellence. What does that mean? Well, that translates to me today, if him having a spirit of excellence is mean that he had the right kind of attitude. The right attitude. In Daniel chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, Then Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion or fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Wow, what, a, what an epitaph to say about somebody, especially the enemy, and that's what they were saying about him. had an excellent spirit spirit of excellence in him. Belshazzar, the one, the king that had the handwriting on the wall, he recognized that in Daniel. A spirit of excellence. Excellence. What are we talking about here? He had the right attitude. The right attitude about everything that he did. Young people and older folks as well. But let me tell you, you need to have a spirit of excellence about you. The right attitude that whatever you do in life, you go at it with everything that you have, with the best that you've got to do, do it, do it that way. or preacher what if you get knocked down? get up and do it again. I've been knocked down so many times I'm flying higher today than I've ever been folks. I've been knocked down. We've all had cir- circumstances and situations then there's and I've not always operated in a spirit of excellence. I, I'll admit that. But folks, I thank God there's such forgiveness with God that whenever I come to the point of realizing that, I can pick back up and keep going again. Amen? Excellent spirit. A right attitude. He didn't go around grumbling about everything all the time. Grumble, grouch. Grumble, grumble about this. Grumble about the king. Grumble about the service. Grumble about the lion's den. Grumble about all of the fiery fire. Grumble, grumble. No, no, no. He He was a person that went through life, I believe, with a positive attitude. And that's the reason the angel come to him and said, Daniel, you're a man greatly beloved. Why? God loves somebody that's positive about what he's doing. God loves that. And, and, and we need, listen, parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, we need to help our young people have a spirit of excellence about them. We do. It's up to us at this point in their life to help them have that. Now, I think we need to, to discipline our children. I think we need to uh, insist on them behaving and not have a rebellious spirit running rampant. I, I believe that we need to do that according to the Word of God. I'm not talking about child abuse. I'm talking about according to the Word of God. And the book of Proverbs' way of raising a child is still just as relevant today as it was in Solomon's day when he spoke those words. And he spoke about discipline. He even spoke about whippings and spankings and things of that nature. And I think that we need to insist on our children being obedient to authority and to powers that be. But at the same time, we need to help them have a spirit of excellence about them. And the way that we do that is by never browbeating them and putting them down and making fun of them. You know, I've noticed this about us here, guys. Y'all don't y'all have to love me for saying this, okay? Will you? <laughs> Will you? <laughs> I'm talking about us. I, I thought about this this week. You know, we we pick on these young folks a lot of times. We call it fun, just picking on them. But if they were in school and that was happening, they'd call it bullying. Arianna was telling about a young girl that's in her mentoring class and how that some girls were just picking at her. And she took it as being bullying. And that way, that child's not going to have an excellent spirit in her unless somebody can step in and begin to be a positive input into her life. And folks, that's what we've got to be. But all of these children around here is learn to be a positive input and a positive influence into their life and and, and not browbeat them or anything like that. I mean, make them understand that there is a line that they need to walk. We're not going to browbeat them. We're not going to make fun of them. We're not going to put them down. We're going to lift them up. And the scripture that says, let no, communica- "Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying," that it fits all of us. It fits all of us, right? Because I'll be honest with you, and I, I apologize, but if I if I talk to Pat like some I've talked to some of you young people, just kidding, he might punch my nose off. And I apologize to you all for that, you kids. I do. Because I want to be a positive influence in your life. I want you to have a spirit of excellence. Every one of you. I want you to be known for that. Not because of me, but because that you've allowed that to develop in your life and I don't want to do nothing to tear it down. Not only in the young people, but in the adults as well. I don't do nothing to tear you down. I want to lift you up. I want to I want to stand with you and stand for you and undergird you and and help you to be able to go on and not not have this thing of of, of always being beat down. The world does that enough, don't they? I mean, most of us has got a boss or a fellow worker or somebody like that that sees to it that we stay humble. <laughs> Oh, Jenny turned and looked at Gary when I said that. So. <laughs> Aren't you ashamed? <laughs> he keeps you humble, huh? Well, good, good. Spirit of excellence. I want to be a person that's blessed and highly favored, don't you? I want God to send an angel to me sometime and say, David, you're a man that's greatly loved. I want to hear that. I hear that from time to time. But I want that to be, I want that to be what I hear. I love God and I want people to know that. But I want people to know that God loves me too. I want them to be able to see that in my life. Folks, the lifestyle of the blessed and highly favored don't mean that we're racked up with earthly possessions and abundance in this life. But it means that we walk in the blessings and in the favor of Almighty God. And in that, every need is met. And in that, I can excel and go as far as God desires in my life to go. And you can too. You young people, you can do that. Determine today. Convictions, godly convictions, godly commitment. Prayer of whatever of any source that's needed. Let the Spirit of God live in you. Let Him have His residence in you. And then let Him develop, help develop in you a spirit of excellence. Y'all stand with me just now.